And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah the 6th chapter. We're starting a new series called Vision for 2020, and I want to talk to you today about paying attention to God, paying attention to God. You know, last month we got to do our 21-day Daniel fast. How many, how many say hallelujah, it's over with? <laughs> You know, I just want to thank everybody that participated, whether you did all 21 days or whether you did something less than that. I want to thank you because, you know, fasting and prayer is not just one of the things we do for desperate. Jesus says, and when you fast, fasting doesn't change me. Um, excuse me, it doesn't change God, doesn't change his word, but it does change me. It changes you. It gets the gunk out. Amen. You know, it does what STP does for motor oil. It starts working on us on the inside. Uh, we also had our Holy Spirit encounter services last week. Weren't they good? Hallelujah. Didn't Brother Ron Gray and Brother Steve Sampson were really used of God. It was wonderful. And then uh, two weeks ago, it was my privilege to get to fly to Mexico City and take part in a pastor's conference. Literally, it was called Hacienda Iglesia. It was called Doing Church. And uh, we were able to meet with over 200 pastors. And then when the members of the congregation came together for the night services, it was a whole lot more people. I'd never been to Mexico City before. It's a city of over 25 million people. It was Huge. You'd look to the left and look to the right, look in front of you and look behind you, and all you could see were skyscrapers. But I want you to know God is doing some exciting things in the churches in Mexico City. And I got a privilege to be with two of my best friends in ministry, Pastor Robert Berger, who pastors the great Camino de Vida congregation in Lima, Peru, and Pastor Dale O'Shields, who pastors Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. You know, Dale and Terry, the night before they left to move to Maryland to plant their church, our daughter Kristen had just been born. Kathy had just come home from the hospital. But we were such good friends, they came and spent the night with us. There's not any, any, many people that'll come spend the night with a newborn. But Dale and Terry did. And today, God has blessed their church. They've got over 9,000 people attending one of their seven campuses. And I was talking to Dale about, I said, Dale, what are you preaching on? What are your sermon series? And he began to tell me. And, and something, be, I just got inspired down on the inside. And I usually don't try to preach other people's sermons because I'll be honest with you, I don't do very good with them. But, but the more I prayed about it, the more I thought, you know what? I want to share some of what Dale is sharing. Now, I'm going to give him the credit. I'm not going to totally preach his message today. But I do want to get your attention today as I talk about giving God our attention in 2020. See, God has woven a principle into the universe. And it's called the principle of focus. And dear ones, whatever you focus on, th thanks Michael, that's good. Whatever you focus on will determine your destiny. Whatever you focus on will determine where you're going. If you're focused on problems and on difficulties, then that's probably what's going to consume you and you'll find yourself gravitating towards problems and towards 
difficulties. But if you'll focus on our Lord Jesus Christ, see the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And the Bible describes various conditions of our heart. And we need to be aware of these. In fact, we've got a continuum we're going to put up. Put up the slide, if you will, with the continuum up here. Because uh, there, there are some people that are at the left-hand side of the continuum. There are some people that are at the right-hand side of the continuum. And uh, they're, they're working on it. So they're going to get it up here. But, but dear ones, some people on the left-hand side of the continuum is, is, you know, people that are spiritually blind, people that are carnally minded. Do you see that? You don't want to be on the left-hand side of the continuum here because Romans 8 verse 6 says to be carnally minded is death. They're always, if you knew what was going on between their ears, they're thinking negative thoughts. They're thinking thoughts that are going to produce death in their lives. But over on the right-hand side of the continuum, some of us are spiritually minded. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 6, that to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and it is peace. Not only that, but 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, we have the mind of Christ. Romans 12.1 and 2 says that our minds can be renewed and our minds can be transformed. Isaiah 26.3 says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Everyone say the word stayed. I will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on me. And sometimes we wonder, why don't I have peace? Why don't I have a joy? Well, you got to ask yourself, what are you thinking about? What are you focusing on? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we don't do warfare according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is a system of thought that's contrary to the Word of God. It's contrary to the will of God. It may be spiritual warfare. It may be something in your flesh that you're wrestling with. But that stronghold would try to direct your attention away from the Holy Spirit, would try to direct your attention away from the Word of God, would try to direct your attention away from our Lord Jesus Christ. But dear ones, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he? So let me ask you a question. Where are you on this continuum? Are you on the far left? Are you carnally minded? Are you wrestling? Or would you say, Pastor Terrell, I, I find myself just in a wrestling match. I, I want to get over to the far right-hand side of the continuum, but, but I'm in a, a warfare and it's just, it's just difficult. Well, dear ones, here's the truth. The more attention that you pay to God, the more attention that you pay to the Lord Jesus Christ, the more attention that you pay to the Word of God, the more attention you pay to the Holy Spirit, the better the decisions you'll make in your own life. Now, let's look today at Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, the sixth chapter, this is out of the New International Version. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, 
holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Now, dear ones, there's three lessons that we learn in this passage of Scripture. Number one, when your spiritual vision improves, your life is also going to improve. When your spiritual vision improves, your life is also going to improve. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like to take pictures? How many of you took pictures back before we had cameras that would focus for you or phones that would focus it for you. You know, it used to be back in the olden days, you might have a 35 millimeter camera, but you had to do all the focusing yourself. It was not simple. Thank God for phones today who will take great pictures. But if you're going to take a picture, you got to do two things. You've got to frame up your subject. In other words, you've got to determine, okay, what is my subject going to be? I'm going to frame up my subject. And not only do you frame it up, but then you've got to get it into focus. And dear ones, your focus determines what you see clearly and what you don't see clearly. And when you focus on Jesus, I'm just telling you, life gets a whole lot better. See, there are some things we need to focus on. If you just go through life focusing on your problems, guess what? then Jesus is going to be out of focus. But if you'll focus on Jesus, life gets a whole lot better. If you'll focus on the Holy Spirit, life gets a whole lot better. Why? Because as Brother Ronald Gray told us last week, the Holy Spirit is the helper. Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is my helper. Hallelujah. I'm focusing on the Holy Spirit. I'm focusing on my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm focusing on the Word of God. What does the Word of God have to say to me? That's where my focus is. I'm focusing, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of my faith. Now, dear ones, your focus will impact some things in your life. Your focus will impact your feelings. Dear ones, if you're not feeling real good about your life or about your circumstances or about your relationships or about, or about your finances or whatever it might be, if you're not feeling so great, you got to go back and ask, my, ask yourself, what am I focusing on? Dear ones, your focus will not only impact your feelings, it'll impact your actions It'll impact your decisions and the direction of your life. It'll impact your attitudes. Anybody here ever had a bad attitude? Anybody ever known somebody with a poor attitude, okay? It comes because of our focus. It it impacts our values. It impacts our priorities. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 34, read this aloud and loudly with me. Come on, use your best voice. Here we go. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. Proverbs 29, verse 18, out of the 
King James Version. I want you to read this one aloud with me. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. What that literally means is where there is no prophetic vision of God, the people perish. In fact, God's translation, his good news translation, look at this. It says, without prophetic vision, people run wild. Dear ones, there are people in our society and in our culture who don't have a vision of God. They don't have a vision of Jesus. They don't have a vision of his word. They don't have a vision of the Holy Spirit. And dear ones, their lives are literally falling apart. They're literally, the scripture says here, they're running wild. But blessed are those who follow God's teachings. When spiritual vision isn't right, we start to perish. When it's right, we flourish. Dear ones, when you've got poor spiritual vision, let me tell you what it does. It's going to cause you to have bad feelings. When you've got poor spiritual vision, when you forget that Jesus is on the throne, when you forget that God's word is true, when you forget that the Holy Spirit is a helper, you're going to have some bad actions and some bad, make some bad decisions. You're going to have some bad attitudes and you're going to have bad values and priorities in your life. It's a scary thing. So let me ask you, what are you looking at this morning? It's February 2nd, the second month of the year. What are you looking at for the year 2020? Where's your gaze? Where's your focus? What are you looking at for this next decade? It's not every year that you, you, you start a new year and you start a new decade. What are you looking at? Where do you want to be? By this time next year, where do you want to be by this time in three years or four years or five years or even in 10 years? What do you focus on? Are you focused on yourself? Are you focused on you? Are you focused on me, myself, and I? No wonder you're not feeling very good. Are you focused on the approval of other people? Do you tell yourself, I just really need the approval of of, of my boss. I really need the approval of my friend. I really need the approval of this person or that person. Dear ones, I learned a long time ago that you and I really need the approval of one. And his name is Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. When push comes to shove, when everything's been done and said, I want you to know you need the approval of the one who's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you've got his approval, he'll bring his favor into your life. And the Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. Are you focused this morning on material things? I just need this and I I just need that. Are you focusing on pursuing pleasure and fun and partying? Are Are you focusing on personal dreams? Are you focusing on problems and your pain? Are you focusing on your past baggage? Everybody look at me. If you're focused on your past, there's a book that Stephen Covey wrote about 20 years ago. And it's called, it's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And Covey says this in his book. He says, highly successful people do not focus, they do not burn energy on things they can't do anything about. 
And dear ones, when you look at your past, there's nothing you can do to change your past. There comes a point in time that we got to just let the past be the past. But you said, Pastor, I sinned, I transgressed, I did this, I did that, I did the other. Well, dear ones, don't cross go, but go immediately to the throne of grace. Cast yourself on the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to cover you with his blood. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. And if we, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when he forgives you of sin, then you've got to stand in that forgiveness and say, Lord, I thank you for forgiving me. Now I'm going to forgive myself and I'm going to forgive anybody else that's been involved with me over the years. I forgive everybody that's done me wrong. I forgive people that have stolen from me. I forgive people that have talked bad about me. I let them go, not because they deserve to be set free, but because I deserve to be set free from the tyranny of what they've done, what they did. I don't want to carry this pain. I don't want to carry this around with me anymore. I'm not going to be focused on the past. I'm going to be focused on the future, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and who's the finisher of my faith. Can you say hallelujah? <laughs> Glory to God. Guys, what is in your frame and what is in your focus is very, very important. Hebrews 11 verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Colossians chapter 1 Verses 1 through 3, out of the Amplified Translation, it says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Look at verse 2. Set your mind and keep focused habitually. Set your mind and keep focused habitually. What does a camera do? Number one, you get your subject in the lens. If I'm taking a picture of Pastor Zach, I'm putting him in my lens. Then number two, I want to get him into focus. And the scripture says here in verse two, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. For you died to this world and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Did you hear that? Paul did not say, I don't have troubles. Paul never said, come to the Lord Jesus and I'll make your life a bowl of cherries. Paul never said that if you come to the Lord that God's going to take care of all your problems and you can just... Just, just enjoy yourself the rest of your life. He said this about his troubles and about his problems. He says, for our light and momentary troubles. Dear ones, the problems from Paul's perspective were light and momentary. They were not going to last. Dear ones, everybody look at me. Everybody hear me. The things that worry you today, the things that trouble you today are not going to trouble you in the future. They're light 
and they're momentary. But look at what Paul said. He says, so we fix our eyes. We fix our eyes. We're fixing our focus not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Yesterday, or day before yesterday, Kathy and I were visiting my dad in a nursing home, a rehabilitation center where he is in Monticello. And dad is honestly there because, because he's lost the strength to walk. And I'm believing he's going to recapture his ability to walk and to stand and to be mobile. He fell over the weekend and, or fell about three or four days ago. And I was talking to him and I asked him, I said, dad, how are you? He said, son, I feel like Somebody beat me up. He said, son, it's just hard. It's difficult. And I had all kinds of thoughts went through my mind, but I just listened to him. And I said, dad, tell me about it. Because I just sensed he needed to get it out. So he started telling me about it, and I listened some more. And I asked him, I said, dad, what does Romans 8.31 say? He got a big smile on his face. I mean, it wasn't just a grin. I mean, it was one of these ear-to-ear smiles. He said, why, son, I'm so glad you asked me. Romans 8.31 says, what do we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And then he says, Let me tell you, son, God is for John B. Todd. I may be laying in this bed now. I may be immobile. I may feel beat up, but God is for me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? And he began to preach to me at that point. Hallelujah. Dear ones, I'm telling you that your focus, your focus is so important. What you're looking at as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And when your spiritual vision improves, your whole life starts to improve. Your whole perspective changes. Here's the second lesson we learn. When God gets your attention, he improves your vision. When God gets your attention, he will improve your vision. Look at me again at Isaiah chapter 6, just verse 1. Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah, or some translations, and in, in like over in 1 Chronicles, it calls him Azariah. It's the same guy, okay? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, this is important because many Bible historians believe that Isaiah was a cousin of King Uzziah. He was related to him. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Let's just start right there, because we need some historical background on this. You see, the nation of Judah had had some good kings and had some bad kings. The good kings led in the worship of God. The bad kings made the nation a, a, a nation of people that were worshiping idols. 
There were God-fearing kings and those kings that weren't so good. Uzziah was a good king. Now, he stumbled just before he died, but he didn't stay down. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And even if he stumbles, he's not utterly cast down because the Lord upholds him with the righteous strength of his right hand. And Uzziah had stumbled, but he wasn't utterly cast down. And Isaiah had had a great reign. He had done a lot of wonderful things for the nation of Judah. People in Judah, they loved Uzziah, but he dies. And people are wondering, including Isaiah, what's going to happen now? Is our nation going to continue to worship God? Or are we going to go back to pagan idol worship? What's going to happen to our national welfare? Will we be able to defeat our enemies or will they defeat us? What's going to happen to our economy? Are we going to become a socialistic nation or are we going to be a, a, a capitalistic nation? What's going to happen? Are we going to have runaway inflation? What's going to happen in our nation? We just don't know. And he had his eyes on the death of Uzziah. But he says, in the year, he wasn't just saying, this is how I want to remember this. He says, something really major that impacted my life happened in the year that my cousin Uzziah died. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I got my eyes from the left side over here of the, of the continuum, over here all the way to the right side, because I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and his train fell the temple and the seraphim were singing holy 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 is the lord god almighty the whole earth is filled with his glory in the year that he died he said i experienced the very glory the very the very shekinah of god almighty he came into my life and and i heard the angels crying unto the lord and and i thought lord i'm undone i'm a man of unclean lips and i'm with a people of unclean lips i've got sin in my life and you know one of those seraphim took a coal from the altar and he touched my lips and he forgave me he says in the year the king Uzziah died things look bad but i want you to know god came through god came into my life it was the year that that he died but nothing and nothing was looking good but God had a bigger plan and he says who will go for us for us and I said Lord I will go send me it was the year that Uzziah died I thought it was all gone I thought nothing was going to work out but God had a bigger plan and I'm just telling you God's got a bigger plan for your life God's got a bigger plan for the nation God's got a bigger plan than any of us have ever thought about Glory to God. Hallelujah. In the year that Uzziah died, <laughs> there's something I've been crying out to God for since last year. Something that has bugged me. Something that was frustrating. Something I wasn't quite sure what to do and I had come up with several scenarios, several ways to deal with this, but I, I just wasn't sure. And Wednesday night, I'm sitting right over here. Steve Sampson is ministering to people. And while Steve is, I, I, you know, he, he's over here praying for people and prophesying to people. And I like to tell you, I kept my mind totally on what he was doing, but I didn't. Because the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. I was sitting right there. I've been crying out to God. 
I've been crying out to God. I cried out to God when we were in North Carolina. Over the holidays, I cried out to God when I was in Mexico City. I've been crying out to God here. I've cried out to God in my office here at home. I was sitting right there Wednesday night and Steve's ministering and suddenly the Spirit of God began to speak to my heart and I knew exactly, exactly how to deal with that thing. I'm telling you, God specializes in suddenly moments and he's got a suddenly moment in your life. I think of what happened to the Apostle Paul before he was Paul when he was Saul of Tarsus in Acts the ninth chapter, Acts chapter nine, because God got his attention. Remember Saul of Tarsus had been persecuting the church and it says in verse three of Acts chapter nine, it says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Dear ones, as he neared Damascus, verse 3, on his journey, suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Man, this guy's been killing Christians. He stood at the feet of those who stoned Stephen. He held their clothes. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Dear ones, I just want to suggest to you that this was a a marked day in Saul's life. Because if you'll read the book of Acts, you'll find that he goes back to this story again and again and again. Because he was on his way to kill and persecute and imprison Christians. But Jesus met him on the Damascus road. Jesus. Jesus changed his life. He was forever talking about this day. It was the greatest day in his life. It was a moment that he never forgot because because it changed everything about him. Dear ones, here's what happened with both Isaiah and Paul. Both of them experienced God's glory, but it was also painful because they both had sin in their lives. Isaiah's was dealt with by the seraphim who brought the coals to his lips. Saul had to go back. For three days, he's blind. He's in a hotel room in Damascus. He's saying, God, what's next? I don't know. I'm blind. Jesus, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I believe he spent three days repenting, getting right with God. And he didn't know that the Holy Spirit had spoke to a man named Ananias and said, Ananias, I want you to go over and lay hands on Saul. And I want you to to pray for him because I'm going to restore his sight. And he's going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And Ananias says, no way, Jose, not me. I've read about this guy. I've heard about him. He's persecuting Christians. Lord, don't you know he's the one that was responsible for Stephen's death? Lord, go get somebody else. But the Holy Spirit kept speaking to Ananias, and Ananias went over to that that hotel room. He introduces himself to 
Saul of Tarsus and he lays hands on him and the Bible says that scales left his eyes and he was filled with the Holy Ghost and immediately he begins preaching that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the King. People said, okay, we're not going to let this go on. So they let Saul down in a basket at night over the city walls. He goes to Jerusalem. He tries to join the Christians there. They're afraid of him. Finally, Barnabas takes him and introduces us. This guy's really a believer. Thank God for Barnabases. Thank God for people that will sponsor us and help us. So here's Barnabas. He takes him, takes him to church. And I can just see Saul of Tarsus going into his very first church service. And all the believers are looking at him nervously. And he doesn't know where to sit. He just sits down and he finds himself on the same row as Stephen's widow. Stephen's kids. How many of you know that Stephen's family had to do some forgiving that day? Because suddenly there's Saul of Tarsus. I'm telling you, I believe in 2020. God, I want you to hear this. God wants your vision to be on Jesus, on the Holy Spirit, on the Helper, on the Word of God, on the things that He can do, on all the good things He's done in your life. Because He wants to demonstrate His power and He wants to demonstrate His glory. But dear ones, sometimes we don't see His power and glory because we're focused on the wrong things. Here's the third point this morning. God requests your attention but you're responsible for the response. It'd be easy if you could say, well, that preacher, he just didn't preach very good, Lord. That's the reason. I'm not responsible for your response. You're responsible for your response. You know, how many times, if you're like me, you, you go in and you try to get your kids or your grandkids' attention and if they're playing games on a cell phone or on a tablet or an iPad, it's almost impossible. I'll say, Braden, Braden, Earth to Braden, Earth to Braden. Braden, let's talk. No, Papa T, I got to do this. I'm, I'm t- I'm t- t- or, 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 or sister, Aubrey, Aubrey, let's talk for a minute. Or even four year old Sophie, or even three year old Lou, even two year old Emmy now has learned. To play with this stuff. It's hard to get their attention. And just because God requests our attention doesn't mean that he gets it. And it doesn't mean that he gets all of it. Wasn't that long ago I was Thursday nights I'll confess I get really tired. About Thursday nights that's the end of the week for me. Because I've gone Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm going to take Friday off. But Thursday nights, I really start to wind down. You know, it was a Thursday night a couple of months ago. And I don't know what we were watching. It was something either on the History Channel or it was something that was godly. I mean, it's, it's harder to find something that's sanctified to watch on television. We were watching something. And it may not have been the most interesting thing, but we were watching it. And I was sitting there feeling kind of numb. And I just heard the summons of the Holy Spirit in my heart. Come spend some time with me. Come spend some time with me. So I said, Kathy, I'll be back after a while. And I just went back into my office and I just read the scripture for a while and I meditated on the scripture and I just spent some time in prayer. 
And I can't tell you that great revelations came out of that. I can't tell you that I saw a light from heaven. But I had some sweet fellowship with the Lord. Dear ones, God, I believe, is always speaking to us. But as Steve Sampson says, he rarely shouts at us. Because he's going to speak to your heart. He doesn't speak to your mind. He's going to speak to your heart. And you're going to have this knowing in your heart. And you're going to know that you know that you know that you know. God wants to talk to us, but he's not going to shout at us. And he's not going to demand our attention. We have to choose, God, I'm going to give you my attention. And dear ones, God never takes away your free will. He never turns us into a robot. He never makes us do anything. We're not puppets. We're created with a free will. And I think about, I think about a couple of people back here in Genesis chapter 19. God tried his best to get their attention. Turn back in, in Genesis chapter 19, verse 12. It's, it's, it's just before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And he sent some angels. And we start reading in verse 12. It says, the two men said to Lot, these are actually two angels. They said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons or daughters, anyone else in the city belongs to you. Get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against his people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. And he said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But note the next phrase, but his son-in-laws thought he was joking. They thought he was joking. They didn't pay him any mind. Verse 15, with the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot saying, hurry. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. And when he hesitated, the men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. And as soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. And then drop down to verse 23. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen down over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew the cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities, and also the vegetation in the land, verse 26. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Lot's wife looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. Several of our members today are with Brother Ronald Gray in Israel. When you tour Israel, you usually get an opportunity to go to the Dead Sea. And when you walk around the Dead Sea, what you see are some grotesque formations of salt. Grotesque formations of salt that are as a result of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that Lot's wife, God tried to get her attention, but she loved Sodom and Gomorrah. She loved her home. She loved the world. Dear ones, listen to me. The Bible says, don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh and the, uh, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life. 
and the world is passing away. But she was having a love affair with the world. Lot couldn't convince his son-in-laws to listen. He couldn't convince his wife to listen. There may be some people that we can't convince to give their attention to God. But dear ones, we're not responsible for other people. We're responsible for ourselves. And you and I are the ones that have to determine, Lord, in 2020, this is February 2nd. I'm going to give you my attention. I'm going to give you my focus. In the bulletin, we've got an encouragement for you. There are 28 days in this month. The book of Acts has got 28 days. We encourage you, if you're not already doing a Bible reading plan, then start reading one chapter a day and read through the book of Acts. Begin focusing on the Lord. If you're not praying now, start just spending some time in prayer, even if it's only five minutes a day. Even if it's only five minutes to read a chapter, give the Lord those 10 minutes. Start changing the focus of your life. Because as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus paid attention to this story because we find in Luke chapter 17, verse 32, look at what Jesus had to say. He issued a warning. I want you to read this aloud and loudly. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Come on, say it again. Remember Lot's wife. She would not give her undivided attention to the Holy Spirit. She wouldn't give her undivided attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. She wouldn't give her undivided attention to the Word of God. He says it's a sobering warning. Remember Lot's wife. Hallelujah. Dear ones, I want you to be blessed throughout 2020. I want you to be blessed throughout this decade. But I can't make choices for anybody in here except me and for my wife when she asks me. I learned a long time ago that when I make suggestions to her that she doesn't ask me for, it comes across as criticism. So sometimes I just got to keep my mouth shut. (laughs) Same is true with you. You go around making suggestions to your spouse and making suggestions to your adult children. And when they haven't asked for them, they'll take it as criticism. But when she opens the door, when I open the door for her, we can make suggestions to one another. Dear ones, Jesus is coming again. This life is short. And what we do for the kingdom is the only thing that's going to last. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord God, in the stillness of this moment, I'm asking you to speak to every heart. Lord God, we know that you've got plans that we don't have. God, we know that you've got vision and you've got got thoughts that we haven't thought yet. And Lord God, we just lay hold of your highest and best. And Lord God, we refuse to focus on that which is going to bring death. We refuse to focus on that which is going to kill and steal and destroy. But instead, we choose to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. We choose to focus on you, Holy Spirit. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, in greater measure in our lives. We choose to focus today on the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in the stillness of this moment, let me ask you, if you were to pass away today, if you were to die today, the Bible says there's a point unto man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. If you were to die today, do you have the assurance in your heart that you would wake up in heaven? Do you have the assurance in your heart that you would wake up in heaven or do you just not know see saying I hope I would is 
Saying I hope I would is not being assured of your salvation. You can know that you know that you know. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.